You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 409 of the Battery Power Podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. It is Sunday, July 23rd, and I am joined, as usual, by my friend, Scott Coleman. Scott, Braves lost four games in a row this week, and the world did not end. Well, if you go to Twitter, it might actually be ending. Uh, that, that, that's actually called X now, Scott? Oh, sure excuse me, that. X. I have been uh, traveling. I saw bits and pieces about <laughs> X. So what, oh boy, what is it? Do we, is it Xing? It's I don't, no I don't really know what's happening. I had to get the joke in, though. Um, oh, yeah. But yeah, I, I have the same questions you do. Your, your immediate question there about what it's called, I don't know the answer. I'm probably going to call it Twitter and tweeting for a long time. But It sounds like a good advertising opportunity. We can get Elon on the phone. I would sure he would love to advertise his platform, the new name, X, on the battery power platform. Uh, yeah, probably not. Uh, but nonetheless... <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, I always get a kick out of Kevin McAlpin of the Braves Radio Network, who quote tweets the most insane fans imaginable and people who are like 100 percent serious asking, you know, are the Braves going to blow this lead or, uh, you know, when are the Braves going to drop so and so from the lineup? And it's like, man, tough crowd. It's the best record in the majors by a couple of games. They have a dozen game lead in the National League East and. You would never know it, but uh, nonetheless, the fact that they did not have the best week and still made up ground in the division is about as much as you can ask for. Yeah, so we'll go through it as we always do on the podcast. I will say now, uh, forgive me for any lack of energy slash voice, et cetera. I actually had COVID this week, so I'm a little bit out of the, out of the uh, mix as usual, but hopefully it's not coming through too loud and clear on this podcast. But uh, we'll go through the usual as we do on the show, including those first rate losses. And then, of course, they come out, they win three out of the last four this week. They win the series against Milwaukee and all is right with the world. Um, I know everybody had the stats, but we'll just say it now. I think you mentioned it a second ago. Uh, the Braves had, you know, lost those four games in a row and they'd actually gained ground in the division over like a week or something like that. It was pretty funny um, because they were kind of due for some sort of slide at some point. That's just the nature of baseball. They finally had one. They got out of it, and at the end of the week, the Braves now lead, despite Miami finally winning today, because you kind of called that one, Scott, I have to say, about the yeah. Marlins uh, going cold on the podcast uh, the last couple of weeks. But the Braves are now up 11 and a half games as of July 23rd, despite a uh, relatively middling week. So a pretty good spot to be in for uh, any baseball team in particular, especially when you have the best record in the National League and a three and a half game over the sorry, three and a half game lead over the entire field in the Major League. So uh, for all the negativity, uh, good luck with that. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't want to start thinking World Series here, Brad, but uh, you mentioned three and a half up over everyone in the majors. Um, and, and while the Braves have struggled the last few weeks, they are not alone. Uh, Tampa Bay has really struggled lately. Um, the 
Texas Rangers suddenly have some very serious injury issues and they got thumped by the Dodgers over the weekend. Uh, so that it's the Braves are not alone at the very top of the standings here where uh, maybe they've hit a, a rough patch and we're talking about 10 days at this point. It's not just them, and and I think that's to be expected. I think, as as listeners know, baseball is a game of highs and lows. But overall, man, I mean, sixty four and thirty four with just over two months to go is is more than you could ask for. And, and then you know, should be some excitement in the next week and a half. You have the trade deadline coming up, as we're going to talk about in a little bit. The Braves are getting healthier as well. So despite the not so great 10 games, I believe they've gone four and six in the second half so far. Uh, not not great. Not certainly not the pace they were on in June where they like never lost. But nonetheless, man, you mentioned the East has been struggling. Uh, the timing has worked out quite nicely. It really has. And uh, look, it's it's going to happen. You can't expect the team to win every single day for months on months and months. But um, yeah, we'll go through a little bit of what transpired here. We usually will get to some of the, uh, some of the news and stuff. We're going to hold a little bit of that until later in the podcast. So let's just dive right into uh, what was a frustrating series against uh, Scott's hometown, Arizona Diamondbacks. Um, the game on Tuesday was just insane. Let's just leave that, leave with that. 16, 13, uh, all of the numbers that were flying around about the last time the phrase lost with 13 runs. They were, it was crazy. Um, Bryce Elder got smoked. Um, for the second straight game, uh, the defense was really, 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 really bad on Tuesday. Um, there was a lot going on there. The Braves don't usually score 13 runs and lose, but that happened uh, to start the week off. No, just a wacky game. And man, uh, it's funny. Major League Baseball does not get the benefit of the doubt anymore after the way they have jacked around with the baseballs for four or five years now. And I don't know, maybe it was the weather, maybe there was something in the air on Tuesday night, but these were some of the scores on, on a random Tuesday in July. The Braves game was 16 to 13. There were three games, not one, not two, but three games that had final scores of 10 to 11, right? 21 runs in those three games. There was also a game that was 17 to three. I, I think something like nine teams scored upwards of 10 runs. So just a, a bizarre game. Uh, Bryce Elder did not get off to a good start. It looked like the, the lineup was going to cover it up, though, and then the bullpen really struggled as well. Uh, just a odd game all the way around, and you're right. I mean, you score 13 runs with this team. I mean, what, what kind of win percentage probability is implied, do you think, Brad, just <laughs> knowing how good this team is? 97%, 98%? Oh, yeah, at least. I mean, it has to, yeah, yeah. to be high 90s for sure. If all, if all you know going into the game is they score 13 runs, uh, yeah, you, you expect to win. I mean, Arizona's good, to be honest. They're, they're not, it's not a bad team or anything, but still, that's that's uh, pretty remarkable. Uh, we'll come back to Elder later on. Elder, Elder, Elder actually bounced back today, which was good to see, so no reason to really dive in too much on his struggles from back-to-back starts, but I do want to say one positive thing about Tuesday, and that was the start of a heck of a week for Austin Riley. I thought it was very funny and appropriate, given the history of our podcast and the entire network, that uh, our friend Sean Coleman spent about, I don't know, eight, ten minutes on Austin Riley on Monday evening into Tuesday, just pointing out what we've said before. Like, Austin's been not bad, but kind of middling for almost a year, it, it, basically starting August 1st of last year. And he pointed that out and did, you know, nothing that he said was wrong at all. He just noted the numbers and the way he'd been playing, et cetera. And then that night, Austin became basically one of his trademark binges where he hits everything in sight for four days or five days. Yeah. It was, uh, he had seven, seven RBIs, two home runs on Tuesday, and it didn't really stop from there. 
Yeah, stay hot, right? And it's just it's been great to see Austin get some of his confidence back. And you mentioned he has not been bad by any means, but it was last July when Austin had the month of the ages. Like, like just insane numbers and then signed the biggest deal in contra- in uh biggest deal in franchise history at the end of the month. And he finished up with an okay end of the season. And I think as we recall pretty well, uh, first few months of this year weren't bad, but I think for Austin Riley's standard and what we have come to expect from him, it, it was probably subpar. So the fact that Tuesday night got him going seven runs batted in two home runs, a double, just mashing the ball. He has a history of crushing the diamondbacks as well. Uh, so hey, even if the Braves did not have the best week overall, if they're going to get Austin Riley in capital letters back for the second half, and it started this week, that just adds yet another crazy dimension to this lineup. Yeah, it is kind of remarkable because we've said it before, but he was really, he's really been the only guy who has not hit at his usual standard this year. I mean, Michael Harris had a slow start and he's come on and then Michael Harris again, but even then his, his, his track record was actually a lot shorter, of course, given he's a rookie last year, all the other established guys this year have basically hit and, Riley really hasn't, but this this week he was uh, crazy. We'll come back to him more often in a second with his uh, his franchise record matching streak, etc. Um, Wednesday though they did lose again. That was their fourth loss in a row. We covered that earlier. Uh, Charlie Morton was finish in the game. Not a whole lot going on Wednesday. It was a lot less fireworks than what happened on Tuesday, other than Riley and Ozuna Ozuna homering on Wednesday in the loss. I do want to say this though before I forget to say it later. Um, speaking of guys who are not hitting right now, uh, Marcelo Ozuna has uh, been the ultimate hot and cold guy. Uh, not quite the day of Swanson of old where like his entire rolling WRC plus was just this giant um, up and down hill uh, graph. But Ozuna, after being, you know, as we all covered extensively, terrible early in the season, he was then great in the middle of the season so far. And then as of today, after he went 0-4 today, he, again, he, he homered on Wednesday. So I'm, I'm going to take this moment to be positive about his performance on, on, that, one, on that one particular day. But Ozuna is now three for his last 41 at the plate. And it feels like it. Like it's it's gonna come back, kind of come back to where we thought he was back in April and May. I was like, all right, this is gonna, probably gonna be an out. And I'm not saying it's broken forever, but it'd be nice if he hit again because uh, you know all the all the jokes, all the stuff. Like it kind of all went away when he was hitting, but now that he isn't hitting, like the leash is not that long because he can't do anything else, as we've covered extensively. Yeah, and let's hope that he turns it around. I mean, that's I knew he had been struggling, but the three for forty one number is is pretty crazy. He is still working the count and putting together solid at-bats. I didn't look it up, but I would wager that he's drawn a decent number of walks despite the lack of hits. Uh, And he's still hitting for power based on the handful of home runs he's had. But you're right. I mean, three for 41, no matter how you spin it, is not great. And as we've seen, and and with good reason, Brian Snitker has basically done the copy-paste lineup now for almost two months since the team really got moving. Uh, so I think if you're Ozuna, you, you just keep doing early in the season. So I think I'm still fairly encouraged that he will snap out of this. He had a hard hit ball on Sunday that should have been a hit and just the defender made a great play on it to throw him out. So let's hope he picks it up. Eddie Rosario has also run a little hot and cold. Um, but, it, you know, we are talking about guys in the bottom half of the lineup and we know how good the top half has been. You just hope those guys figure it out and, and get moving sooner than later. Yeah, and I'm sure that it'll balance it out as it has all year long, and the offense has not really been a problem at any point this year for the most part. So there you have it. Um, we should at least talk about the end of the Arizona series, which obviously went much better on Thursday. 
Uh, it was a weird game, though, even then the win. Um, Strider uh, was just ridiculously awesome for about five-plus innings on Thursday. And then in the seventh, he had an absolute implosion, actually. Ended up with 13 strikeouts, pitched great until the seventh inning, but he blew up, gave up the lead, and then the Braves took it back on, again, Riley going nuts, hitting another home run, Olsen another home run after that. That was a uh, pretty interesting game, and as we talked about last week on the show, it was a 12.20 p.m. Eastern time start between the top two Cy Young favorites in the betting odds. So kind of a weird game. It was a pitcher's duel for a long time, and then it just suddenly wasn't, uh, and it kind of blew up in the, in the in the back half of the game. But uh, ultimately, the Braves did manage to steal that one back and avoid their first five-game losing streak in a very long time. And, and it felt like a big win. Yeah. You, you don't want to overstate a win on July 19th. Right, like a lot of baseball to go, but for Austin Riley to hit that three-run homer in the eighth inning, I believe there was two outs and two strikes. So truly a pitch away for him to hit that homer was was really big. Matt Olson also followed up with a home run as well to give uh, some insurance for the ninth inning. Uh, so yeah, you, you don't want to get swept to be captain obvious. Uh, the Diamondbacks are a solid ball club, and and. Yeah, I mean, Austin Riley, man, he he saved the team on Thursday because he was really the only one who provided offense, uh, and it was enough. And, and Spencer Strider, you know, he is just so dominant every single time he goes out there. Uh, but it does seem like he'll have an inning where he just kind of loses command, and sometimes it's early on, and then he settles in. Sometimes he's unhittable early on, and then kind of falters late. It was a warm day on Thursday, so I think he was in the 90s in pitch count when he started to falter a bit. Maybe he just ran out of gas because uh, he get, did give up two home runs in that inning. Uh, but still, I mean, it's crazy to say, but a a a start that didn't go as Strider wanted still managed to have six innings of 13 strikeout baseball with only one walk it is pretty crazy. It was, and uh, I know I teased it a second ago, but the Braves almost lost five games in a row, and this is one of the craziest stats still that gets popped up every once in a while when they lose four in a row, basically it's the only time it ever comes up. The Braves have not lost five in a row since 2017. Um, they are the only team in the majors to have a streak that long without, lo- without losing five games in a row. In fact, they have now gone 800-plus games without losing five straight, and that is the third longest such streak in the history of Major League Baseball per Alliance Sports Bureau. So... Um, it's kind of a weird, it's kind of a random weird stat, but it also goes to show that the Braves have been good basically, basically that entire time. And it is, uh, I don't know if it's a skill or however you want to say it, but it, it's it's not overly important. But it also like not having your streaks turn into like six, seven game, you know, messes is a nice thing to have. Like re- that resilience is pretty positive, and I'm sure there's some randomness in there too. But never losing five games in a row for five years is, uh, I guess, now six years almost is uh, pretty darn impressive, especially when you go into anytime, as we always say, you go into the history of Major League Baseball, that's a lot of sample sizes. And uh, the Braves have not done something for a quite some time. They're not, And I guess if I had to bet now, Scott, that was probably their biggest chance to lose five games in a row this year. I don't want to jinx it too much, but that was probably their worst opportunity to do that. So they didn't do it. And the, uh, the streak continues. Yeah, that, that's a great pull. Uh, what a That's wild, man. Yeah, I mean, we're talking 100 <laughs> plus years of stats, right? Yeah. Or, um yeah, but no, a nice win on Thursday. The Diamondbacks are a pesky team. Uh, they've also, we, we talked about good teams that have run on hard times lately. Arizona came into the series struggling, and they actually got swept this weekend by the Cincinnati Reds, who are playing well again. Uh, so sure, you would have liked to have taken two out of three from Arizona, but you get the nice win on Thursday and, and just kind of 
right the ship before another t- tough series in the weekend in uh, Milwaukee. All right, Scott, let us transition to Milwaukee since you brought it up, as well as a bunch, and I mean a bunch, of pitching news with regard to the Braves in the last few days. But first, it were for more sponsors on today's show. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Scott, before we get to the uh, pitching bonanza, they did win the game on Friday. A um, couple of home runs from Arcia and Riley against Milwaukee. It was a pretty straight ahead game. Soroka was just okay. We'll talk about him more in a second. Um, Jimenez and how about Kirby Yates? Um, the slatter her around the world at the end of the game on Friday. I know you were uh, in Las Vegas. I this love weekend, that. It was yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I actually caught the ninth inning of that game. I was in Vegas over the weekend. Um, but uh, yeah, that Kirby Yates final at bat on Friday night was wild. And I mean, I sh- should go and look. I can't imagine how many of those sliders he's thrown this year. Somebody looked at it. It was a very small number. Like it was yeah. single dudes, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And and frankly, for a guy, you know, he's just so hyper-focused on the fastball and then the splitter that he has. So for him to drop that pitch in with, what was it, like the 11th pitch of the at-bat, <laughs> that, that took yeah. some cojones. And if memory serves, the better at the plate was the potential winning run. Uh, I mean, if Yates hangs that and puts it over the middle of the plate, I mean, that would be a brutal way to lose a baseball game. So for him to paint it on the outside corner like that, Murphy did a really nice job bringing it across the plate as he does so often. Uh, yeah. And then Joe Jimenez, again, it's uh, it's not always the prettiest thing in the world when Jimenez is out there, but his numbers speak for themselves. He has a bunch of strikeouts. He isn't walking a ton of guys. His ERA, I believe, is is sub three. Uh, he, he's someone who I don't have full confidence in necessarily. <laughs> but yeah. when it's all said and done, man, like the, the stats are the stats. It doesn't matter what I think. His numbers are the numbers. Um, so for Jimenez and Yates to cover the eighth and ninth without Rysel Iglesias available, um, you, you know, we just talked about the good vibes on Thursday. The last thing you would want to do is let a game get away from you. Uh, so it was nice to pick up that Friday win as well. Yeah, on Jimenez, um, getting back to, I believe it's like late May, his last 17 appearances, it's 18 innings, 19 strikeouts, and two run runs for Jimenez. So yeah. he's been very, very good uh-huh. for about you know two months now. Uh, we'll see if it continues, because I'm with you. I'm never like, comfortable, but it does work usually. So that's, that's a positive thing. Um, we teased it a second ago, but there is so much when it comes to uh, pitching news. So we'll go with Soroka first. He pitched on Friday. 
he was set down to Gwinnett tonight, actually on Sunday. The Braves are going to be a starter for this coming this coming weekend against Milwaukee. That's one thing to note. Um, Colby Allard is on 60-day IL now. After he, we talked about him and the shoulder thing, actually just a week from today, um, we didn't know how serious that was. Seems like serious not to miss at least two months. So hopefully he is back at some point, but that's not great news. Um, Max Fried's a more positive situation. He's actually making a, another rehab start um, this coming week. He wasn't incredible in his, this, uh, this last rehab start that he is, but it looks like he might be back within the next 10 days or so. Kyle Wright is looking like September. Like, there's so much going on here, Scott. I don't even know where you yeah. want to dive in. I mean, we'll talk, we'll talk about Alan Wyans in a second, who actually debuted and then was immediately sent back down. It's just like a rotating cast of characters. And I haven't even talked about the guy that claimed a waivers today. So there's a lot, there's a lot going on here. I, my thought earlier when the Braves announced a couple of moves was, I don't know the last time the team has made so many roster moves in a span of like five or six days. They really are playing some roulette with this roster right now. And a lot of that has to do with the injuries and really just this carousel for the back end of the rotation. Um, You know, I I think Stephen Tolbert of this podcast feed and and, uh, be outliers on Twitter, I thought made a good point that the Braves don't seem to know what they want to do with Michael Soroka right now. Agreed. Yeah. And I'm inclined to agree as well. You know, they've kind of yo-yoed him a good amount. He was in Gwinnett, and then he was in Atlanta, and then back and forth and back and forth. Um, You know, and and it's not because he's pitched terribly, but he also hasn't pitched great. Um, His his starts seem to be a little bit of a roller coaster. And as we know, the Braves need somebody to fill into this fifth spot in the rotation. Um, So, yeah, I, I don't know what to do with Soroka either, probably. Um, I know the Braves are continuing to be careful with him as well because of his rehab and coming back from the injuries. The absolute last thing they want to do is is push him too much and then something happened. Uh, but yeah, it's been all over the place. And it's a bummer that Colby Allard has the shoulder issue. 60-day IL probably ends his season. I suppose if, if it's heals, there's probably a world where he could make an emergency start or you know, if the Braves clinch the division early enough and don't have anything to play for, maybe Allard comes back and starts a game or two at the end of September just to save innings for other guys. Uh, but yeah, man, it really is a carousel with the pitching staff right now. Yeah, so I don't mean this in a negative way, but I, I do think it's probably smart to try to forget that Michael Soroka is Michael Soroka right now, if that makes sense. I know everyone is rightfully you know, emotionally attached to Soroka because he was so good before he got hurt and all the injuries and stuff. I think they're basically treating him like he's just a guy at the end of at the end of the rotation right now. Like he's just another guy. You know what I mean? Like they're treating him the way they treat everybody else. You know, when it comes to like you know Dylan Dodd and all these guys, like it's been a rotating cast of characters. And yeah, they used Soroka out of the bullpen in a way that kind of surprised us, but they did it. And I think that he's just another guy for them right now, and they're kind of figuring it out. But I, I agree, generally speaking, that they don't know what they're going to do. I mean. Uh, I can't remember who had the stat, but I wrote it down that the Braves have used 14 starters this season, which is the second most in Major League Baseball after Winans. And it looks like it might be 15 because they just claimed Yanni Chirinos from the Rays. And all indications are from the beat writers that he's going to he's gonna be the guy that maybe starts and maybe as, as early as this, as this week. So that's another guy who, like, we could talk about him a little bit if you want to, but another guy that is not kind of a swing guy. Like he started before he's been a reliever before he's not terribly impressive on paper, but 
they don't have, as we talked about a million times, they don't have a perfect rotation right now, given the way that all the injuries have happened. They do have depth, but it's not like exciting depth. And they keep, I think it's probably the right thing to do. Big picture, I don't know what you think about like just kind of cycling guys through and seeing what they like. I thought Winans pitched pretty solidly. That was another guy who like, he was totally off the radar for everyone other than the absolute diehard Gwinnett fans, basically. And like, he pitched fine, but he's an older guy. Like he's not, he's not supposed to be a prospect coming up. And, you know, Torino's, I was not, you know, checking the wire today to see if they're going to have a claim Yanni Yanni Torino's, who I I definitely have heard of and I've followed a little bit, but it's been a, a a total rotating cast of characters. And I'm not really sure if they, if there is a plan beyond like, let's just see a bunch of guys and see what sticks basically. Yeah. I think that is the plan. Um, Maybe Alex Anthopoulos goes out and adds a starting pitcher at the deadline. This was something you and I talked about last weekend. I don't think anyone is necessarily expecting him to go out and add a frontline ACE caliber pitcher, uh, largely because that pitcher probably doesn't exist at this trade deadline. Uh, Maybe, Yanni Chirinos is is that option as a uh, kind of fifth starter type. He can eat some innings. He has starting experience. <laughs> I'm laughing because it's the Jacob Rizzi we talked about last week. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, I mean, maybe he, he's he that guy. That mold. Yeah. Um, you know, to be blunt, Chirinos uh, has not been great this year. I mean, he's been pretty bad. Um, yeah. A handful of appearances. He's made four starts. Uh, he's come out of the bullpen. He has a negative war on the year. And while his ERA is a respectable 4.02, he has some ugly peripherals. Uh, his FIP and XFIP are in the mid fives. His strikeouts have basically been cut in half from what he used to do. Um, he's never really walked guys, which is why he was successful early in his career. Uh, but he does have a home run problem. He's given up a lot of home runs over his career. Uh, so this feels like a no risk mild upside flyer that's worth taking. (laughs) Maybe he settles in in the back end. Uh, He is coming from the Tampa Bay Rays, who are, of course, a very, very good organization. Now, sometimes I think if you grab a guy from a team that just sucks and they can't develop anybody, it's like, wow, maybe there is something here. Uh, The Rays usually don't miss out on these. Uh, It's not impossible. uh, But nonetheless, it is a worthwhile claim. Um, Mark Bowman, and I think you just mentioned Brad, the expectation is that he will start one of the games next weekend against the Milwaukee Brewers once again. Um, and I, I'd imagine if he pitches well, he'll stick. And if he doesn't pitch well, he will either be DFA again or move to the bullpen and they will throw somebody else out there. Yeah. The cycle continues. And I think that all we basically know for a fact is that the Braves will continue to start. Strider and Morton and Elder. And then when free comes back freed, and then we'll see beyond that. It's like, it's going to be a uh, full on bonanza. I think obviously right. If he's healthy, we'll get uh, every chance, but you know, Bowman did report this week. I believe it was Bowman that said he's he's the ETA right now for right is early September. You know, that's not that far away from right now, but at the same time, that isn't a whole lot of time to see what you have before the playoffs. So We'll talk about that more later on too, when, when it comes to Kyle, who's kind of been off the radar. But um, I guess the good thing is to kind of put this on a on a positive spin at the end of this pitching conversation is that free it seems to be you know again like ten days away, and if Max Free is Max Free, then that changes everything. So I think we, yeah. we don't we don't we don't like to see that. I, I know there are, there are people that uh, that we follow and uh, that we're taking like basically pilgrimages to to, to go out this week to see him pitch. So people were excited about that. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's really encouraging to see Max. The velocity has been strong. Fastball has sat mid-90s, which is usually the first real indication if a guy is healthy or not. Um, you know, if if the velocity drops, there's very likely something wrong, and it hasn't. So let's hope Max gets back here probably early August at this point. Has two months to really kind of get back in a swing. And again, we, we've said this, I think, probably every podcast for a month now. But if you get a healthy Max Freed back, it pushes Spencer Strider to the two, Charlie Morton to the three, and Bryce Elder to the four. That is as good as you are going to find. And as we all know very well at this point, you do not need five starting pitchers in a playoff series. You definitely need three, maybe four. Um, so let's uh, let's hope Max keeps feeling good. He will rehab on Wednesday with Gwinnett. Uh, down in Jacksonville. I'm sure we have some listeners in the Jacksonville area, so that'd be pretty cool to see Max Freed up close. Uh, so let's, uh, I would imagine he'll make 75, 80 pitches, and then, assuming all goes well, he will be back early next week. Or, I'm sorry, the following week. Yeah, that is the plan, it seems. So we will see uh, what happens between now and then with regard to Freed. Um, back to the action on the field. Uh, Saturday they lost was the only loss to the Brewers this weekend. Winans again pitched fine. I thought he looked pretty good. He had two runs in the fifth inning. Didn't go deep in the game, but I thought looked like a major league pitcher, which is nice to see from a guy who was again way off the radar. Um, that wasn't why they lost the game. The offense wasn't quite what it was supposed to be in the game on Saturday. Again, with the exception of Riley, who hit a home run again. That, by the way, that was five consecutive games for the home run, which ties French franchise record. He didn't break it today, unfortunately, for Austin, but he is uh, he was definitely up there. Another one, though, that I wanted to mention before we forget this, um, Ronnie has 45 steals as of Saturday. The first time in a season for a Brave since Rafael for call in 2005. Scott, it's July, it's July 22nd we said, as, of, as, of, as of that day. He is, still has two months to go. Like, he's going to shatter that mark. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, it's absolutely like he's on pace for like what, 65, 70, something like that, 70-ish. Maybe even yeah. more. Um, so yeah, I mean, I thought it was pretty funny that was like kind of making the rounds even nationally. Like the Braves have only had four guys, uh, sorry, four seasons in the last hundred years with forty-five steals, and Ronnie did it before the end of July. It's just uh, he's yeah. having he's having an absurd season, and I know you will appreciate this too, Scott. Um, you know, he's no, he's been for a while the favorite in the National League MVP race. He is a like overwhelming betting favorite right now. I'm not sure if you've seen this before, but he's like a minus 500 favorite right now. It's like some, wow. which doesn't usually happen in July. That's like an Otani level number of a guy. You know, he'd have to almost, again, knock on wood, he'd have to almost get hurt to not win it at this point, yep. it seems like. so. Oh, for sure. I mean, star power, best player in the league on the best team in the league, um, and just an electric talent. Uh, the Shout out Rafael for call, man. I loved for call. He was one of he was fun in his yeah. prime in particular. Yeah. Yeah. Like if I had to make a list of like or like a, a one through nine of some of my favorite like non superstar Braves over the last 20 years or whatever, uh Rafael for call, who was a really good ball player, would be firmly on that list. Um and, and speaking of stolen bases, uh Forrest Wall was called up this week as well. Um uh, it's pretty Speedy. crazy, man. Yeah, he can run. Uh stole second base on and then the very next pitch stole third base in a one-run game in the ninth inning. So I, I can just about guarantee you that Forrest will continue to be on the roster. He will be an automatic pinch run replacement late in games. And then you talk about a you know thinking ahead to a playoff roster. Uh, I mean, that kind of speed is something that every single playoff team wants late in games. Uh, you know, even in crazy situations like ninth inning of a tie game and 
Matt Olson gets on first base. You would never take Matt Olson out of a game, but in a tie ball game in the playoffs and in, in the bottom of the ninth, you can bet that uh, Forrest Wall is going to come out of that dugout and run because uh, that is a legitimate weapon to have coming off the bench. Yeah, it was it was funny because you know he was kind of on the radar as a potential potential call up, but I think it was earlier than expected. And when it happened, I'll, uh, several of us I won't list, list everyone. We were, we were talking about Forrest Wall and Slack. And, you know, I will raise my hand and by the ignorance here, I was like, I basically asked our minor league guys, like, is he a good fielder? Because I knew, I knew he could run. I mean, that was the, the stolen bases are very obvious to see with him. And I was like, I was like, guys, can he, is he good on defense? Like, how good is he? And they're like, he's good. He's good for sure. And I go, I mean, isn't it, isn't he like pretty much the most obvious 26th man in the world for the playoffs? Like he never has to hit ever with, with the current setup with DH. Like you, he's like your Jerry, you remember, you remember Jared Dyson or like some of those guys with the Royals back in the day, they just like carry and never hit the, like there's always a guy like that on like some of these teams. And the race haven't, haven't really had that guy. I mean, they had Billy Hamilton for that hot second. Remember that the Billy Hamilton era. Um, but yeah, for, Billy, for, yeah. Billy Hamilton era in Atlanta. What a time it happened. Uh, but yeah, Forrest Wall just seems like he's built for the playoffs in the way that the modern game is played. So I, I'm hundred percent with you. And I think I'm sure they already knew that internally, but after he stole second and third on Saturday, I think Snit even said like, yeah, it seems like he's gonna be a, play- a playoff guy for us. <laughs> I'm like, yep, that makes yeah. sense. Snit. Um, yeah. So, I mean, there's only, I mean, so hit, we'll many, see, but. yeah, there's only so many people on planet earth that can go into a ninth inning of a baseball game and steal second and third bases. And it wasn't even close. Like he, well, he, when, when they knew, by the way, when they knew that, they, that he was going to try to run, there, there was no mystery. Like he's out there oh, to run, yeah. and they knew it, and they and they still couldn't stop him. That, that's that's what makes it even scarier. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And I, I mean, it's funny. I missed that quote from Snit, but that's. I mean, you talk about a uh, maybe Snit was tipping his hand just a smidge, but um, you are absolutely right. If if that is the twenty sixth man on your roster or the last guy on your bench, I, I can't imagine a lot of opportunities for Forrest to swing the bat these next two months. But he can, uh, I bet he'll keep his legs nice and warm because, I mean, seriously, in any close game where the Braves need a run, they're they're going to pinch run with him. And as I just said, in a playoff environment, you you know, you live to play tomorrow, right? So you, you get your speed out there, see what he can do. Uh, but yeah, a nice, it was fun. I mean, it was just wild. But as you said, the whole ballpark knew he was in there to run and I he, he saw those bases easily. Yeah, the only thing that we should mention, uh, just out of out of respect, was uh, a man named Sal Freelick had a game of his life on Saturday for the Brewers. Uh, I know you were uh, not watching every pitch of Saturday's game, but he had a couple of great catches. He had, I think, he had three or four hits for the Brewers. Like he kind of won them the game, and I candidly did not see that coming at all. Like he, uh, maybe he'll be a long time like Garrett Cooper level Braves killer. I'm not sure if he will be or not, but Sal Freelick kind of won the game for the Brewers on Saturday. So. Yeah. Just to him, I guess. Uh, you know, good for him, man. It was a cool <laughs> moment. They kept showing his family. I think the uh, the Fox production crew cut to his family in the crowd about 47 times that night, which was uh, I'm sure they were having a blast. Um, yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a good ball player, top 20 prospect, I think. Um, and the Braves are going to see him again. If you want to see uh, Babe yeah. Ruth reincarnated in, Bre- in Brewers again in a few days. They, they never yeah, go, apparently. Next weekend, um, yeah, maybe they'll get him out. Actually, I think he went one for four, so he is now only hitting 500 in his career against the Braves. Only, uh, yeah, yeah, tough scene for uh, for old Sal. Um, yeah, so and today's game was fun in that they won, of course, but also uh, the Braves for the first time ever faced old pal Julio Tehran, who actually pitched pretty well. Uh, he actually left the game. I believe he, the Braves were losing when he left the game, so uh, Julio pitched well. But it was just weird 
to watch him face the Braves. I don't know about you, but it was a, it was a very strange thing to see. Yeah. I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad he's back though. Like it's been a nice story this year for Julio, but it was just weird. Yeah. He's pitched really well. I mean, good for him, man. He looked like his career was basically on the rocks and uh, yeah, I mean, out, out of nowhere, he pitched well, um, doesn't have great stuff, but you know what? He made it work. Uh, just a, a quick memory lane. Julio Tehran, 126 starts with the Atlanta Braves, 126 starts, 726 innings, uh, a very, very solid 3.86 ERA over what, six years, seven years almost. Um, so I think when we look back in 10, 20 years, we'll look back fondly on Julio's time. Oh, yeah. He was a really good pitcher on some bad Braves teams as well. He was also you know, a he, two-time all-star, which is uh, yeah. what happened. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, I think it's just he is a victim of pitching on teams that lost 100 games. I think if Julio was doing what he did a few years ago on these division-winning teams and even the World Series team, he'd probably have more of a uh, Braves legend than he than what he will have. But nonetheless, good to see him out there. It was weird to see Julio in a different uniform against Atlanta. Uh, and thankfully, the Braves found a way to win a really uh, tight ball game the whole way through. They did. I think you have his uh, his page up right now. I, I was going to quiz you and just to kind of do the funny thing about how old he is. Um, Julio Tehran is 32 years old, Yeah, which seems impossible. He, yep. he, he should be 38 years old at this point. Oh, yes. Given how long he's been around, he's 32 yeah. years old. So uh, anyway, that's that's one thing I want to throw out there. It's it's just, it's, it's inconceivable to me that he's only 32, but yeah. uh, there it is. Um, so the rest of the game, obviously, the, the big swing on Sunday was the Ozzy Albies uh, three-run home run for the win, basically. Went from two down 2-1 to up 4-2, which is the final score. The bullpen was great after that. Um, I I think is it Days Bell? I'm not, am I wrong? I have no idea how to say his how to say his name. I watched the game on mute today, so I, don't, I have no idea. I have no idea what we're going to call him Hernandez. How yeah, about Hernandez. That? Hernandez debut today. He came up for Winans. Uh, apparently, looks. I mean, he, he looked great today. Uh, he had bonkers strikeout numbers in the minors, and uh, Snit seemed very high on him. Like not in a way that you just like are high on everyone when he when they come up. Snit seemed seemed kind of go out of his way in my mind when I was reading the quotes and seeing what he said. Like. He seems to be pretty high on his potential in the bullpen as you know as early as right now, basically. And then the shouts to your guy Ben Heller again in the eighth inning, getting out of trouble, just magic. Ben Heller right now, yeah, Legend. out of nowhere. And <laughs> when they claimed him, it was like, hmm, interesting. Yeah, he's probably not going to do anything. And uh, you know, he's set, cool set up man, Ben Heller. <laughs> if you would have told me uh, four months ago that Ben Heller would be the uh, maybe second or third option to pitch an eighth inning right now for Brian Snitker. And the Braves were also going to have the best record in the league by three and a half games. Probably would have laughed at you. I also probably would have said, who the hell is Ben Heller? <laughs> um, but yeah, there uh, it is. yeah. And you know, Hernandez, uh, one of our minor league uh, folks on the, on the pod network were saying that, you know, he was probably due to make his major league debut back in 2021 uh, he is a guy who is 26, almost 27 years old, but he had Tommy John in 2021. Yeah. So he is slowly but surely uh, making his way back. He pitched uh, at all three levels this year, A ball, double A, triple A, and now the major leagues and pitched in a two to one game between two current division leaders. And the stuff was great. I mean, he has an upper 90s fastball, which is something this bullpen does not have a ton of. And I would frankly like to see them add at the trade deadline some more power pitching. 
Uh, he seemed to have good command. That was something that eluded him early in his career, but he'd done a nice job limiting the walks in the minors and then has the, the slider as well, which is kind of the bread and butter for relievers anymore. High 90s fastball, wipeout slider. If he can do that and he can locate, I, I think the Braves have really found someone here. Yeah, that was uh, fun to see on full display today, especially in light of, you know, like, you know Chavez is going to 60-day IL now. Um, that's not a huge thing, but he's out for another few weeks at a bare minimum. Mincer is getting closer. It seems like he might be back like this week, which is good to see. You know, he has been arguably the best reliever when he's been on this year. But there's been, as much as the starting pitching, we talked about that a lot earlier. The bullpen has been, you know, totally in the way that bullpens are, you know, overturning every every few weeks right now with Nick Anderson on the shelf and all that stuff. And Kirby Yates getting a more prominent role and Ben Heller and all that stuff. Like it's been a rotation for sure at the end of that bullpen. And, uh, you know, we'll see what Mitchell coming back soon, but Hernandez might might slot in in a pretty big role if he's got it, if he's got it going like he seems to be today. Yeah. And with all the uncertainty in the bullpen right now, I, I think we're, we're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. You mentioned AJ Minter rehab appearance on Tuesday with Gwinnett. I would imagine Atlanta will see how he feels on Wednesday and then they're off again on Thursday. See, so I would imagine Minter will be back as of Friday would be my guess. Uh, Jesse Chavez, yeah, he's on the 60-day IL, but he's already missed 40 days. So it, it's more procedural than anything. It, yeah. it sounds like he has just a nasty bone bruise. He's still limping chair. around, apparently, by all accounts. So Yeah, that, that's. I mean, I, I've never had a 100-mile-an-hour comebacker hit me in the shin but I would imagine it would do some damage. And of course, Jesse is not a spry 20 year old anymore. Uh, you know, the older guys probably need a little more time to, to heal up. Uh, Dylan Lee seems like he is slowly progressing. And then the trade deadline, I would be shocked if Anthopolis didn't add at least one arm. Um, I'm not saying he's going to overhaul the entire bullpen because frankly, it, it probably isn't needed. And there's not a ton of roster spots either. But nonetheless, I would be really, really surprised if Anthopolis doesn't add one piece to that bullpen. Uh, it may not be a superstar, but I, I think that's probably likely. And then you you look ahead maybe 10 days from now, I think we'll feel like the bullpen is in much better shape than the never-ending carousel that it has been the last few weeks. Yeah, I'm with you. And, you know, Hernandez might help with that. Maybe they end up with Chirinos in the bullpen, too, if he doesn't work out as a starter, if that's this plan, the plan right now. But they're... You know, they'll be focused on that, I'm sure, in the next 10 days. And as a reminder, we don't have to do a full preview now today, but, you know, the deadline is August 1st, 6 p.m. So we're, you know, 10, 9, 10 days away at this point in time. So pretty busy, I'm sure, across the league. We'll see how busy it is for the Braves. They don't have the kind of needs that other teams have in terms of, like, they absolutely have to do certain things. But, um, I, you know, Alex is always active, so I expect them to do something. And I'm sure it'll cover it in, uh, in some more depth on this podcast feed in between now and then as well. Um. Scott, I wish I had more to add. We can look ahead to the to the coming week because uh, it's only five mm. games on the agenda. A little yeah, bit of a, I, a, little, a pre-deadline hiatus, five-game week. Yeah, I mean, I will say having two days off in a week, I hate these two it's, games. It's series. always weird. Yeah, yeah, it's bizarre. But it's it's probably not the worst thing for this team right now with the status of the pitching staff. Uh, if they were in a stretch where it's like 21 games in 21 days, that can those are the kind of things that front offices just absolutely hate because it just causes such a strain on all the pitching resources. So the fact that they're off again on Monday, two in Boston, and then off on Thursday, 
probably isn't the worst thing in the world. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, some winnable games, you know, two games in Boston, always high profile. The Celtics get attention. Uh, Morton and Strider are pitching Tuesday and Wednesday. Wednesday is actually an ESPN national game, so that's always interesting with Strider on the mound. And then after the break on Thursday, again, for some travel back home, they play the Brewers, who we just saw. Um, so no surprises there, other than there is a little bit of uncertainty as to who is going to pitch and when. As we, as we discussed earlier, it seems like Chirinos might get a start. Um, we'll see. Um, I think, obviously, Elder would, would be in line to pitch after pitching today at some point this weekend. But other than that, we will see. Uh, the, other two, the other two spots are pretty fluid <laughs> at this point. They were, they're were they liable to throw anybody out there in those two games. Uh, Chirinos is probably going to be one of them, but the other one, who knows? Yeah, we'll see. Maybe they dip into the minor league stash again. Um, maybe Switch they over again or something. I don't know. What's gonna yeah. Happen. And they do have the days off, so they could probably get creative and maybe even skip a start. We'll see. Uh, the Boston Red Sox are, you know, they're playing pretty well, actually. I think they're playing above their expectancy. The lineup is really good. They are top 10 lineup. The pitching staff is, is pretty hit and miss. They have a couple of good starters. Uh, James Paxton has had a nice resurgence after being hurt forever although I think the Braves will miss him. Um, but uh, yeah, anytime you go to Fenway, creates an interesting dynamic with the monster in left field. I would uh, maybe take the over on home runs in those two games, just knowing the way these guys slug. And uh, it should be a fun series. If any of our listeners have never been to Fenway Park, uh, you should absolutely go. I, I, think, I think Steven is like either right now or was this weekend up in Boston? Because I saw him yeah. like setting things out about Fenway and ah, uh, TD garden cool. or something like that. I don't know. I, I meant to talk to him about this before we started talking. So I'm, I'm not, yeah. I'm not trying to shade Steve, but I know he was literally tweeting it. So it wasn't like it was a secret, but I'm uh, I think he's either up there now or was this weekend or something. So yeah. Boston's a, a great, thing. yeah. Great summer city. Uh, Fenway is just so unique and quirky. Uh, I've done a tour. It was, it's a worthwhile tour and, you know, they have seats, they have like original seats that are 90 years old, you know, just the things you don't get to see in these brand new, very modern stadiums where there's not a bad seat in the house and you have all the amenities and you have beer coolers and your cup holders, right? Like there, there's none of that at Fenway Park. Uh, so really a cool trip. I would highly recommend uh, getting up to Boston and, and with this new interleague schedule, uh, the Braves will go there every single year. So that that's a bonus if you can see uh, you know, see them in action. Uh, but yeah, it should be a fun series. The Brewers again over the weekend. Uh, just we'll another see. weird, yeah, weird scheduling quirk. You have a six and a half month season and you play six games in 10 days against them and then you are completely done. Uh, and then we'll see with the trade deadline. Maybe the Braves make a move. Maybe they hold off. I would guess that there will be some activity across the league in the coming days, just as teams with greater needs probably push some chips in. And always a fun time of year to just monitor the breaking news feeds, see what teams are buying, what teams are selling. And uh, yeah, it should be a fun week. It absolutely should. And uh, we will be having you covered on this podcast feed uh, and also on BatteryPower.com, which I should also mention our midseason prospect list began rolling out over the weekend. Uh, that's nothing to do with Scott or I, but there's people that are actually smart about this stuff are talking about prospects. And it's always a, a favorite every couple of uh, months. They roll out the, uh, the prospect list. So it's uh, always fun to watch that come across. That'll be the rest of this week. And then we'll have this podcast feed, which is our podcast. If you're a new listener, you have this flagship show. Then you have 
the podcast be named later with Chris and Steven. You have the Daily Hammer with Sean three, four, five times a week and uh, very, very busy on the podcast. So please go ahead and subscribe and tell a friend about the show. If you have a Braves fan friend in your life that has not found us to this point, we encourage you to uh, point them in the, in the right direction. Hopefully they will uh, check us out and uh, start returning to the podcast over and over again. We do appreciate all of that. Scott, anything to plug beyond this podcast? Uh, no, Brad, I hope you are feeling all right. I know you're a bit under the weather. Ooh, we're playing hurt, Scott. That's we're right. Blue game. I was <laughs> power through. The pod must go on. Uh, but yeah, no, I appreciate everybody checking us out. It's a really fun time of year. The Braves are rolling. We are getting closer and closer to September and October. Um, yeah, I don't want to jinx it, but it feels like just about a formality that this team is going to be. Uh, and, uh, you know, six straight divisions. I don't, again, I can already hear people yelling at me. Maybe you will, Brad, but uh, no, it's, it's a fun time of year. Uh, appreciate all the love and support and uh, we'll, we'll see you next weekend. Scott, you could take it all the way up to the line that you just took it. As long as you don't say that it's over, I will not yell at you. If you say it's yeah. over, I will yell at you. It well, is, it is over. It is very likely that they will. Over. It is over for the New York Mets. Yes, we that was last week when I said on the show, and I think I still believe it, that if the Mets were to somehow pass the Braves, I would quit the podcast. I still believe that now because mm-hmm. I, I think it's 18 at the, at the moment. Yeah, um, it's the East. That, I think that, the I, listen, yeah, for the Mets, for the Mets. We're being very, very, very cautious, overly so, because the division lead is very large. But uh, our our friends at Fangraphs have the Braves at like 99.4%. Scott, that's not 100%. So. I've if, seen too. I've, I've just seen too many things in my life. Yeah, you. Atlanta sports fandom can be tough. It can be. It but, usually is. Yes. But the Braves are the <laughs> silver beacon of hope. And uh, shout that out, Bijan Robinson, the man. Um, anyway, we're off the. Oh yeah, your guy Bijan. We'll, we'll have to do a Bijan podcast at some point about fancy, fancy football. Um, all right, Scott. Well, thank you for joining me, as always, on this podcast, my friend. Um, again, one more time, please subscribe to the show. Check out BatteryPower.com. Follow Scott on Twitter if it still exists, or X or whatever it is. Follow me if you want to as well. X. <laughs> Sorry, your X is up. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Really do appreciate it. And we'll see you all next time.